is the hour of doom and bloom. That's right, friends and neighbors. Welcome to the Doom and Bloom Survival Medicine Podcast, a container of contentment in a crazy cacophonous world. I'm Joel Nendi, that old Dr. Bones, co-founder of the survival medicine website, doomandbloom.net, where you'll find over 1,200 articles, podcasts, and videos on medical preparedness. And I'm Amy Alton, also known as Nurse Amy. I'm an advanced registered nurse practitioner and a certified nurse midwife. And the hostess with the mostest, she is so tough that she flosses with barbed wire and she gargles with gravel. That's absolutely (laughs) right. She is tough. On this show, you're going to get the conventional wisdom and the unconventional wisdom as well, if that's what it takes for your family to get medically prepared for tough times. But before we start, listen to this. All information and opinions voiced on the Survival Medicine Podcast are for entertainment purposes only and do not represent medical advice for anything other than post-apocalyptic settings. We strongly urge our audience to seek modern and standard medical care whenever and wherever it is available. That's right. Nothing to see here. But what happens if the you-know-what hits the fan and they can't get to you and someone in your family is sick or injured? Are you ready to pick up the flag? Let us help you along the road to preparedness. We're going to actually be on the road to Key Largo yes. in just a few hours. Yay. I even have my Hawaiian shirt with the tuna and the cigars and the beer. And the beer. On it. So <laughs> Not that you drink alcohol, but anyway. Yeah. So we're looking forward to that. Hey, six people are dead in the South after at least 23 tornadoes tore through Alabama, Mississippi, and Georgia on Thursday. The damage in places like Coweta County in Georgia, well, it looks like a bomb went off in there. Five people lost their lives in Calhoun County, Alabama, a place that we've driven through a few times, yep. after the state was hit with 17 reported tornadoes. It all sounds like an apocalyptic movie, but honestly, stuff like this happens this time of year every year. And that's what happens in the United States. It's the world capital for tornadoes. Why, L- lucky us. Lucky us, right? <laughs> I know. Now, why would an old country doctor and nurse practitioner be talking about general disaster preparedness where's the blood and gore or the catastrophic pandemics that we usually talk about well with tornadoes there's plenty of blood and gore and you better be ready to deal with it if you're going to be the family medic whether That's it's a good times or bad right you're right even more importantly i want to say that the family medic does have the ability to take steps to decrease the chances that a loved one will get injured or be sick. That saves precious supplies, saves a lot of headaches, and you know what? It saves maybe a heartache or two as well. One of the most devastating natural disasters a community might face is indeed a tornado. Every year, hundreds are killed or injured by these unpredictable storms, so knowing what to do before a tornado touches ground is going to help avoid many tragic outcomes. We call tornadoes also twisters, a cyclone. They, I used to, when I was a kid, I thought they were called cyclones, but that's more actually hurricanes these days, tropical cyclones. So anyhow, so we got twisters, and they're, as you know, a violently rotating column of air that's in contact with both the surface of the earth and the thunderstorm that's above it. Sometimes they call it a supercell, and that's where it is spawned. From a distance, tornadoes usually appear sort of like a visible dark funnel with all sorts of flying debris in and around it. They could be really difficult to see up close, though, because they come with rainfall, mostly. Now, there are almost a thousand tornadoes in the U.S. every year, and most of these occur in Tornado Alley. That's an area really 
not officially defined. It is, some people say these states, some people say that states, but it essentially it encompasses the land between the Rocky Mountains and the Appalachian Mountains. So anywhere gotcha. in between those, and maybe a little either further south in Alabama and Georgia, a little south of the, the bottom part of the Appalachians, right. you'll find that there are tornadoes. Peak tornado season in the U.S., especially in the south, is sort of March through May. In the northern states, it can be as late as late spring through early summer. In the United States, tornadoes average about 500 feet across. That's a lot. That's and huge. I know. 500 <laughs> feet. Well, because not only that, but it's it, that's the center. But then there's also winds spinning around that, too. That's right. So there's still movement outside of just the tornado. So the whole area is really affected... And they travel on the ground for about five miles or eight kilometers. Well, guess what? The one that I just reported on here went a hundred miles before it dissipated. That's so long that some people believe that it might have been more than one tornado. Sort of maybe a few tornadoes sort of sequentially lined up. They really don't know. Right. While in contact with the ground, twisters can travel at a speed of like 30, maybe even 40 miles an hour. And others are actually not constantly on the ground but they hop from point to point before petering out you see that when you look at some of the uh, devastating pictures from post tornadoes is that you'll see a house that's just a bunch of sticks and then you see a house next door to it that doesn't look like it was touched and then the one over the next neighbor is again in sticks so you do see that hopping yes and devastation and then no devastation so uh, of course, it does. I don't think it hops all the time, but it can do that. And it's just a weird phenomenon. It's interesting that she mentions that because in 1978, many, many, many years ago, when I bought my first house about three weeks later, one of those hopping tornadoes actually hit us down here in Florida. And what happened was, is that my house was one of those houses that were hit. I was actually in the house at the time. And Very so. Scary. It was raining, mm -hmm. it was windy, but then I started hearing a rattling on the front door and I heard what sounded like a freight train coming by. As a matter of fact, it was so scary, That's I actually insane. pushed myself against the front door. I was thinking that it was something trying to get in and it turned out that it was indeed a tornado and when we went out to look and see what happened, I had lost some uh, carport, I had lost some roof tiles. A tree was downed. The neighbor next door had damage. The neighbor on, on both sides really actually had damage. But beyond that, the only other place they had damage was all the way at the end of the block and then two blocks away. So I had a hopping tornado that actually hit my house. Who would have thunk it? That is, uh, I mean, the odds have got to be pretty astronomical you know what we against say, it. Crazy, baby. Crazy. Crazy. Baby. Baby. That is crazy. <laughs> So let's talk about the medical aspects here. Injuries from tornadoes usually are due to trauma from flying debris carried by the winds. Tornadoes can generate, by the way, winds up to 300 miles an hour and could actually be accompanied by hail. How about golf-sized hail at 300 miles an hour? Boy, I don't want no, to be... Thank you. I don't want to be outside when that happens. No mm -hmm. thanks. In some cases, some very large objects are actually are flung around in a manner... It's just hard to believe. There's a report that in 1931... An 83-ton train was lifted and thrown 80 feet from the tracks. That's crazy. Now, there are various classification models for tornadoes, but the most commonly used one is the Enhanced Fujita Scale. 
Fujita levels are rated from about 0 to 5 based on wind speeds and the amount of damage that they cause. F0, Fujita 0, is considered light. Winds are about 40 to 72 miles an hour. You might see some smaller trees uprooted or branches broken, maybe a little structural damage, very little. Uh, F1, moderate, that is considered uh, winds about 73 to 112 miles an hour. That's pretty significant winds. You might see some a small tree trunk snapped. Uh, you might see an over a mobile home overturned. Maybe destruction of a carport or a tool shed. Guess right. what happened to me back in 1978? Yep. Sure enough, that's exactly what we got hit by a F1 tornado. Roof tiles missing. That's another thing that happened to our home as well. F2s 113 to 157. You know, whole mobile homes are destroyed. Major structural damage to frame homes due to flying debris. Maybe some large trees snapped in half or uprooted. You've seen those on the road. I'm sure if you've traveled in Tornado uh, Alley. Uh, F3 is severe. 158 to 206 miles an hour. Roofs torn from the house. Small frame homes absolutely destroyed. And most trees are snapped up and uprooted. That is uh, something that probably that's happened in Georgia and Alabama in, in the reports that that we just mentioned. Devastating tornadoes, 207 to 260 miles an hour, and strong structure buildings now are starting to get damaged, destroyed, or even lifted from their foundations. Cars can get lifted and blown away, and all this large debris becomes airborne. And there's actually even a higher level, an F5 called incredible damage, 261 to 318 miles an hour. Larger buildings actually lifted from their foundations and objects weighing more than a ton become airborne missiles. It is pretty scary stuff. There are some places that have sirens or other methods of warning you can have that tell you that a twister is approaching. Every family, despite this, should have a plan of action well before a tornado appears. Children should know where to find medical kits, how to use a fire extinguisher if it's appropriate. You should teach everyone to how to safety, safely turn off the gas and electricity. I mean, older children, teenagers, and, and folks like that. When you're in the path of a tornado, you need to take shelter immediately unless you happen to live, of course, in a mobile home. These are really vulnerable to damage from the winds. And if there's time, you got to get to the nearest building that has a significant tornado shelter. Underground shelters are actually best. Every municipality has a number of different tornado shelters in Tornado Alley. Now, of course, if you live in Tornado Alley, you might consider putting together your own underground shelter. Unlike bunkers and other structures that are built for long-term use, a tornado shelter only has to provide safety for a small amount of time. So it doesn't have to be very large. About 8 to 10 square foot per person would probably be acceptable. Now, of course, you have to consider ventilation, the comfort and special needs of the people that might potentially be the occupants. So Still, it doesn't have to be very, very big at all. Now, if you don't have a shelter, you want to find the safest place in the house where family members can gather. So basements, yep. bathrooms, inside rooms that don't have windows, those are probably the best options. Of course, windows can easily shatter due to impact from flying debris. Right. Speaking of windows, by the way, some suggest opening windows due to the great pressure caused by a tornado. Well, well, most windows are made of quarter-inch panes of glass, and you're not going to prevent your roof from being blown off simply by opening them. It's the speed and violence of the winds, not the pressure that causes the damage to homes. Isn't that funny that that's sort of a myth that goes around? Your roof comes off because there's some buildup of pressure. 
And it's not. It's just being taken off. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, maybe that helps. Maybe pressure helps it a little bit, but it's just being ripped off. Incredible rotating winds. And a lot of times what you see, if they happen to record it, is you see layers coming off. Right. You see tiles flying off, and then you see wood beams flying off. It's not like most roofs just go, beak, and just come off. I mean, you do see that yeah. every once in a while. And I guess it depends on the the structure, the integrity of the structure. But a lot of times it's just pulled off in pieces. As I've seen it, it reminds me actually of what happened to these superheroes in that Avengers movie called Endgame, or Infinity War, Endgame, I forget which one it was, in which they just sort of disintegrated. Yes. And they sort of... Pieces came off. Pieces came off and floated off. That's sort of what a house looks like as it's being destroyed by a tornado. Once you're in a room that's safe in the house or down in the shelter or if you are, especially, but, but especially if you are having to be above ground in somewhere in your house, you should try to get under a heavy object such as a sturdy table. If you cover your body with a sleeping bag or a mattress, that's going to help. That'll provide an additional shield. So this is something that should be sort of almost muscle memory. You should do that. Get under something that has some support and practice, 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 practice. practice. Right, (laughs) right. At least until it's clear that they know the process of protecting themselves by heart. Yes. Okay. So let's say you're in a car and that you can drive to a shelter. It's probably a good idea to do that. Now, you might be hesitant to leave your vehicle if you... I would be. That would right? be very scary. A gee, in my car or out where the tornado's coming. That's right, but they Frightening. If it's a bad enough tornado, they might be tossed around by high winds. Although, I have to say that you might be safer in a tornado that is not that strong if you're in a car, but... In a really bad tornado, you're safer being in a culvert or some other area that's lower than so, the road. Sort of lower. So yes. if the road's like this, but then there's some of the, sometimes we call them ditches. Right. Ditches, <laughs> Next to right. the road, there were ditches. Exactly. So, right. so you may have to ditch your car to get in a ditch. That's right? That's right. That's right. There you go. That's what you can remember. I will say that it's not safe to hide under a bridge or an overpass because the winds can easily reach you there. And also, I would like to say that. To me, that seems sort of intuitive because what's happening is the wind is going to kind of push itself under the bridge. And I would think it would pick up speed, almost like narrowed forces are a little stronger underneath the bridge. Even though it looks like it's protecting you, that wind is still going to whip underneath. Yet, that's what people do, not just sort of instinctively I head won't. for under a bridge or an overpass. <laughs> Don't do that. Don't do that. That's not going to help you. It's not right. going to save you. If you're in town leaving the car to enter a sturdy building, well, that makes sense. If there's no other shelter, however, staying in your car actually will help protect you from some of the flying debris. If you're going to stay in your car, keep your seatbelt on. Put your head down below the level of the windows as the winds get higher and cover yourself as much as you possibly can. Now, let's say you're out hiking when a tornado hits. In that case, well, you got to get away from heavily wooded areas because they're going to be torn branches, all sorts of debris. All these things are missiles. So an open field or a ditch actually might be safer than being in the midst of a forest where there are all these things that can be uprooted or or, or broken off. and Don't be the target, up. the standing target. Exactly. Speaking of ditches, that's where you, if you were out in the open, that's what you'd be looking for. Some ditch or some low spot in the ground that might Lower. give you some protection. You want to make sure you cover your head if at all possible, even if it's just with your hands. And 
Good luck, buddy. That's all I have to say in that case. Well, that's all the time we have for this week. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Survival Medicine Podcast. Don't Uh, get stuck in a tornado. Don't get stuck (laughs) in a tornado, whatever you do. And be safe. This is Joe Alton, MD. And Amy Alton. And we'll see you next time. You've been listening to the Doom and Bloom Hour with medical preparedness experts Dr. Bones and Nurse Amy. Check out our website at www.doomandbloom.net for hundreds of informative articles about survival medicine, gardening, natural remedies, medical supplies, and lots of other good stuff. Contact us, send your email to drbonespodcast at aol.com or use the contact form on the main page of the website. See you next week. Are you worried about how dangerous the world has become? In these days of terrorist attacks, natural disasters, or even a future collapse, you need to be medically prepared to keep your family safe. I'm Amy Alton, ARNP of store.doomandbloom.net, where you'll find an entire line of uniquely designed medical kits and supplies for when help is not on the way. For everything from individual first aid kits to the ultimate family bag, go to store.doomandbloom.net today. You'll be glad you did.